this. Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? Welcome to Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, a Patreon-exclusive podcast for Geeky Girl Experience. I'm Hope Mullinex, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite shows. In this episode, when Dipper decides that he needs to learn to be a man, he wanders into the forest on a quest to attain manliness and encounters danger, tests of bravery, and a giant talking bear. We're talking about Gravity Falls, Dipper vs. Manliness this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. Not just a giant talking bear. A, a multi-bear. A multi-bear. <laughs> I love the multi-bear. I love the multi-bear, too. I'm very excited so, about this one. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this one coming the, from the point of view of being a guy. Because I see this one, I'm like, oh, it's the episode about toxic masculinity. But I don't want to read too much into it. From Yeah, the- no, I, I, I like... I'm not expecting this to be this show to be too subtle. Yeah, like it's very blatant. Like this is yeah. toxic masculinity. Here's our—they're not minotaurs, they're manotaurs. <laughs> In this episode, I'm loving this episode because this is an episode full of joke names, and I love the joke names they have in there. <laughs> they're all names that I'd—I wish that I'd come up with the multi-bear. Oh my god, whoever whoever <laughs> said I know, we'll call it the multi-bear. They went to bed happy that night from the writer's <laughs> room. Everybody clapped him on the back and said, good job on the multi-bear. So I'm guessing in, in general, did you like the episode? I liked it, yeah. It was, a, it was a fun one. Well, you want to get into it? I'm ready. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Dipper versus Manliness is the sixth episode of Gravity Falls, and it aired on July 20th, 2012. It was written by Tim McKeon. This is one of only two episodes in the entire show not written by series creator Alex Hirsch. The directors were Aaron Springer and Joe Pitt, and the storyboard artists were Tyler Chin, Eric Fountain, Mark Garcia, and Nikki Yang. Some extra information for you. Hutzpah is voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, who is also the voice of Sheriff Blubbs. The multi-bear is voiced by Alfred Molina. His other works include Law & Order L.A., the Da Vinci Code, and Spider-Man 2, where he plays Dr. Octopus. In the scene where Lederar, Lederar eats the sacrifice is cut from some releases due to censorship policies in other international franchises of Disney. And finally, one of the scenes in the training montage shows Dipper having his eyes held open by the Manatars and being shown inspirational posters, which is a reference to the Lodovico technique from the book and movie A Clockwork Orange. Yes, Did I, I see the Ludovico notes? treatment. Did I steal one of your notes? No, none of my notes got stolen. Oh, I was, I was like, maybe Chris would get the Clockwork Orange one. No, but like the Ludovico treatment gets done so much, I don't even, I don't even think of it like as a Clockwork Orange reference anymore, and I gotta That's be true. more on that. But yeah, it definitely is. It, it almost seems like something that just like has always existed, but like it really has only been around since the early seventies. <laughs> to be, I've I've never seen or read a Clockwork Orange, so it's one of those things that like I knew it was a thing without knowing what it was, what what it was from. Yeah, that the, the book and movie are two of my favorite books and movies of all time. The book is a lot of fun to read because 
it's basically written in a slang term and it has a dictionary in the back of it so the first couple chapters you're just like flipping back into the dictionary all the time to figure out what the hell people are saying once you start getting the flow of it you you start catching on to it and and then it becomes a lot of fun then it becomes hard not to use it in your daily conversation or anything you know who the clockwork orange fans are that because they'll they'll call you a droog or something i have heard that word before Mm -hmm. yeah when I was in theater, like a bunch of like the very artsy theater people would be like, oh, Clockwork Orange. So I was like, I, I know I've heard some things before. <laughs> we're, the, we're the snooty theater people where we judge everything, but nothing is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always with Homemakes Chris Watch Cartoons, we are broken into three parts. The part one, we'll talk about the story, themes, and character. Part two is Chris's speculation and theories corner. And part three, we'll go over the ciphers of the episode. So part one, Chris, what was your favorite part of the episode? I had a three-way tie. I had a two-way tie. It was all names. Manator for one. For one, I can't believe that I've never heard anybody use use Manator before. It's it's perfect. All the names of the Manators are great, but I'm I'm gonna single out Pubitor. <laughs> and the multi bear. So Manator, Pubitor, and Multi Bear all just made made my list and there there were there were a ton of other names too and they were all great but pubitor is is hilarious just stupid they were just they're just simple dumb and kind of kind of dirty but not (laughs) as far as you're gonna get on like a disney cartoon show so yeah pubitor i had two favorite parts too for one, I like the training montage song where it's just the whole, like, sing about what's happening on the show. And it's just like, make sure you shave your hair, uncle, jumping across a ledge. <laughs> I love stuff like that. But my absolute favorite moment of the show, and it gets stuck in my head every time, is Disco Girl coming through. That girl is you. Ew, ew, ew. I, I've been singing Disco Girl for, like, for like a week now. <laughs> I always watch the episode the week before for fun, and then I rewatch it on the day that we record just to take notes. So I've been singing Disco Girl for a week. <laughs> and I, I always it's not, love it. It's knocked the Lammy, Lammy Dance song out of uh, rotation now? Yes, yes. Every time there's a new song in Gravity Falls, it gets stuck in my head for like several days. <laughs> I like how they like have these like little nods towards things. And that's actually one of my notes is... You can tell this show is made by a bunch of people who grew up in the 80s and the 90s because all the songs and montages are from the 80s and the 90s inspired music. And this is not from the early 20 teens. Well, it's weird because there's a lot of people that grew up not on that stuff, but on the 90s parodies of that stuff. Like in movies like, well, I think Anchorman was a little later than the 90s. But like, you know, a a lot of those 90s movies were like throwback movies and 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 so like it was almost like there was a second second wave of of montages and stuff but they were just more ironic sort Mm -hmm. of the post austin powers sort of thing so it's like even if you didn't grow up in the 80s you still got and plus you got to see all the 80s montages on like turner classic movies and stuff all the time now there's a new generation 
picking him up from stuff like Gravity Falls. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my my funny Austin Power story is I was sitting with my cousins Ben and Gina at, at some family event. It was like Christmas or something, and we were just talking, and we they were talking about James Bond, and I mentioned that I had never actually really seen a James Bond movie. And my sister was like, really? And I was like, yeah, like, really? My first exposure to James Bond was probably Austin Powers. And she looks at me and goes, that's the most millennial thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and then and then when you see a, yeah, and then when you see a James Bond movie, it's going to look goofy because it's going to remind you of Austin Powers, you know? I know, that's, I know. That's the, that's the cultural gravity of that. I know I've seen Gold Goldfinger when I was very, very little. Or, yeah, Goldfinger when I was very, very little. But I don't remember anything about it. So all whenever I think of Goldfinger, I actually think of Goldmember. And I always hear like Dr. Evil just being like, it's gold. <laughs> anyway, Gravity Falls. Do you want to start on this one or me? A lot of my, I a lot, I have like multi-part notes about Dipper in the yeah, story. My notes are really short and they'll probably, it's probably better for me to just do my notes and they'll prob- probably maybe one of them will, will lead into one of your notes and we can just sort of mesh notes mesh into there yeah smoothly transition which i'm already messing up by actually talking about it my biggest note on this is uh once again this is the third time where somebody's gotten a crush and and this i think crushes are gonna seem to be a theme in this show because we're on this is what the six so this is the third crush you know every all three main characters have had a crush now and they and they've all three had somebody go, ah, you got a crush. You know, there's a whole scene where somebody realizes they have a crush because they're being awkward about it, which is a big part of probably the age bracket that they're shooting for with these characters and, and the, the viewers. So and it is nice for, for Stan because it is a new side of Stan that we have yet to see. Well, that, that's what I, I'm saying. They're, they're, they're softening up Stan. They're, they've, they've been pretty much illustrating that Stan is just sort of like a boorish, manly man, but he's just he's he's got his softer side too. He's got his emotional side. But this is this is even more so because it, it, now you have your like totally like insecure Stan too, you know. Mm-hmm. So you see the the side of him where he's not so confident or just totally unable to act on his feelings towards lazy Susan. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of nice because as the show goes along further and further, you can see how Stan is related to the two of them. There's a moment where when Dipper's like, I'm going to win us pancakes. I am manly. And like uh, Mabel and Stan look at each other and they're like, they just look at each other and they both start laughing at the same time, which is very them. But then like you see when Stan's being insecure, he's actually more like Dipper in those moments. And it's really nice because it's subtle, but it shows how he had these different kind of connections. But he's also very similar. And like these are his kids and they're already reflecting off of each other. Yep. My only other two notes is I thought there was, it was a nice little touch. There's she was flipping through like memory book and you see the headless wax figure from a I, couple episodes ago. Y- you know, I have that as a note further down. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about that now. Mabel's scrapbook is really interesting. And I would actually argue it's just as important as the journal in the show. But it's important in a completely different way. Because the whole thing with the plot is the mystery of the journal. But the thing with Mabel's scrapbook, it's an emotional touchstone throughout the show. Yeah, it's and- like a cross-reference with it of what was happening. 
Yeah, and so every time that Mabel's journal comes out, it's it's a big emotional moment for the characters, and it's it's a nice point to kind of like touch base of where they are emotionally. So over the course of the series, we're going to see Mabel's scrapbook repeatedly throughout the show, but it's important in a different way from one of the journals. But I would argue it's like the other important book of the series, where Dipper has his journal, Mabel has her scrapbook, and like one is the mental side of things, and the other side is the heart. And so, like, Mabel's scrapbook to me is a very, very important part of the show. Yeah, my only other note is uh, we get to see uh, Susan drag. <laughs> I'm soft like a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I love Seuss so much. <laughs> but that's all that stuff are just nice little details thrown into the background of the main story of Dipper dealing with the transition into manhood. But that's that's all that's all I really got. Like, yeah, this is this one reminded me of Ren and Stimpy a lot. Uh, the the multi bear looked very Ren and Stimpy, and the the rampant crazed masculinity. Although the creator of Ren and Stimpy is into that sort of masculinity, but at mm-hmm. the same time, he's also into it as just that he's amused by the ridiculousness of it. Yeah, it's an allegory. So, so it's it, when it's in Ren and Stimpy, it's just sort of there, and it's even more over the top than in this. But it's so over the top that there's no way that there's any mistake that it's being lampooned. In this, this goes more into you know, this goes more into it. It's more about coping with it. So the Dipper has to actually react to it you know what i mean other yeah. than just sort of have it portrayed in the show so that's the that's the big difference for me like with this episode and that, that's actually a very nice segue into my multi-part tipper notes my Your multi-bear of, of notes <laughs> this show in a very comical way is an example of why to me gaston from beauty and the beast is one of the scariest disney villains to me like to me gaston is terrifying and the reason why he's so scary is because he's normal. He's a very prime example of an alpha male in toxic masculinity. But the fact that he's a normal guy and everyone loves him, it gives him the power to invoke mob mentality. And because everyone sees him as a leader because of this alpha male side. And that's why he is so scary. Yeah, Which, I'd also say there's a layer of, of uh, class power in there too with mm-hmm. with him. In um, misogyny as well, because he looks right at Bell and goes, reading with words and no pictures? Why are you reading? You're a girl. When are you going to bake me a pie? Which brings me to this episode, because the Manatars are shown to be very hyper-masculine, and they hate whatever doesn't meet their standards, but they're allowed to get away with it with each other because they have that mob mentality of being able to gang up together in a group because they've created this norm for themselves. So they're actually protecting themselves from anything from the outside. But it's just done in such an absurd, like crazy way, like nipples, like fists for nipples and right, stuff. Right, right. That it's clear what it's saying, but it's done in a comical way that it's not beating. It is beating you in the face with it, but it's okay that it's beating you in the face with it because that's its purpose, you know? And it's also not, like, completely negative. There's a layer of, like, bonding and stuff to it, too. But they're very good where it notches up. At first, it's just guys doing, like, when you're a pubescent guy doing, like, stupid guy things and sports things and stuff, it's just a way to, like, burn off energy. Burn off all your that energy that you have mm-hmm. as, as a pubo 
as a pubitor. <laughs> There's just sort of a natural way that that transpires but it keeps notching up and there's like you know there's a point where dipper gets you know they see his his cd of pop star and he's he's just like oh no that's you know he has to he has to conceal something about himself from them in order you know in peer pressure and it starts getting more the toxicity of it notches up as it goes along until symbolically by the end you've got the giant (laughs) stone fire spewing leader coming out and it's and it's just decapitate the multi-bear like you bring up a really good point because it is a reflection of our normal society like a lot of like we see this constantly with wanting to be a part of because because you would could spend the mandatories as being like the cool kids like they are the normal guys like their clubhouse is part like (laughs) locker room part frat house sort of thing like it's a very normal story of that, that we've seen across all sorts of kids' medias and teen medias and stuff like that. It's just done in a very fantastical way. I mean, I know I've been in that position of, like, wanting to be part of the cool kids. And it's and I, I've been in that position where I was, like, to be accepted. I've, I have concealed parts of myself. I remember very vividly being in middle school, and I love, and I still love Pokemon, don't get me wrong. But in middle school, like, I was obsessed with Pokemon and Digimon. And the moment I got bullied for it, I flat out said I hated it. And I would, like, watch it in secret, and I wouldn't talk about it in front of other people. And I concealed that side of me because I wanted to be accepted, and I wanted to be part of the norm. Now I'm 32, and I'm just like, fuck, I love, I'm 32, and I love Pokemon. But it, that's a very normal part of it, of growing up and being part of it, and, like, learning how to be part of yourself. And the one scene that really stuck out to me that I, it didn't hit me until like this watch, and I've seen this episode multiple times, was the pinhole scene, to the point of where Dipper was willing to harm himself to be to seek approval, and it's played for comedy. But when you really think about that scene, that's really harsh that he is hurting himself to the point of trying to find that approval. It's also kind of, I'm just now realizing that there was something very similar, an initiation for a pubo kid in Dune had to stick his hand into a thing that just makes pain to see how to control his, his emotions and his, and his pain. So he had to keep it in the thing for a certain amount of time or, or it shut down once he reached the right thing. But yeah, the same sort of idea. And, and that's a good point. It's hazing. Like, this This is yeah. just a story of hazing. And I just realized Dipper should have realized the minute that he ended up hanging out with the Manators, he was now more manly than the guy who beat the manliness machine. He you ran know, away. Yeah, manly Yeah, that guy away. was running away in fear, in total fear. And, now Di- and that's the guy Dipper's hanging with. You know, he's an official Manator now. So he's already, like... You know, in Manator world, okay, but like Dipper could go back to regular world and be just like, what'd you run away from the Manators for? I went and hung out with them at their club. (laughs) Yeah, I will note, though, something I found interesting is they're all saying that the final way to become a man is to conquer and kill the multi-bear, but none of them have done that. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) They pushed it off on a tiny child. On the the kid, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, he could have totally hit him with that. That would have been that would have been great. But that wasn't that doesn't go along with the essence of the story. Yeah, I I found Dipper's story really relatable because I actually went through that this previous week. 
when I was in college, there was like the cool kids of college and of, of our theater group and stuff. And I always wanted to be a part of them. But I always knew that like, I was the weird one and I, I wasn't like them. And I tried so hard. I tried going to college parties, which just didn't work for me. And I tried like being one of them and drinking and everything. And they were always like these like intellectuals about artwork. And I was just like, I just want to have fun. Why are we thinking so hard and like to the point where we hate stuff? Like, why can't we love stuff? And I never fit in. And then very recently, um, I forgot that I was subscribed because after college, some of these guys made their own YouTube channel and I forgot that I had been subscribed to them. One of their videos popped up and I was like, oh yeah, let's see what they're doing. And I was watching it and I could tell what they were doing. They were trying to make like a parody of, of different newscasts and like, like CNN and Fox News and stuff, but they just weren't funny. It was just stupid and it was boring. And I was watching this going, man, I used to really look up to these guys. They were so smart to me 10 years ago, but I was watching it and, and I started talking with my friend Francine about it. Francine is my, my social media coach and friend who helps me run Geeky Girl Experience and this Patreon and everything. So hi, Francine. But I was talking to her and I was explaining this to her and I was like, yeah, like they were the cool kids. And I was looking at their stats and like their YouTube channel and stuff like that. And they're just not doing anything in comparison. And I'm looking at like my work and it's just like night and day and I don't understand like what, what the difference is. And Francine got quiet and said, you're the cool kid now because you're so authentic. You know, you're just being yourself and people like you for you. You're the cool kid stable now. And I was like, hey, Francine. <laughs> yeah. and, and when you're in that, like, I mean, they, they like at that time, they might have been very smart or cool. But a lot of times when you're are in that position or feel that you're in that position or whatever it doesn't give you as much impetus to change that you know you sort of want to stay there and be that so like a lot of the kids from my high school that were the, the most popular slash successful kids a lot of them never got out of our you know are are miserable now they're not they're not doing anything now because they they sort of they sort of tried to stay at that peak and they didn't change. <laughs> it's kind of like and, the whole Hank Hill thing in King of the Hill. Like he's always like the high school football star, but he never, and don't get me wrong. Hank Hill has a great, I love King of the Hill. And this is no slight towards Hank because he has a great character over the course of the series. He has a constant character arc. Yeah. he's Yeah. But there's always that point where he's always falling back on the whole whole high school things and like that's kind of why he's the leader of his group mm -hmm. and so whenever like that mm -hmm. gets challenged you see hank having to go through like oh this whole history that i used to have and i used to be is being challenged which is usually the catalyst for him to change into something else and then you had bill dotreed who was the like he was a, he was actually the the alpha at some point you know yeah. remember? And, and like he lost a game or something and then it's been downhill ever since yeah, King of the Hill illustrates a lot of that stuff really, uh, really well. I and love King of the Hill so much. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. A lot of the people that I kn knew from college that did well were the people that were not really, either they weren't, they they were not involved with anybody, anybody else. They were sort of in their own, like, obsessive film world or whatever, they they sort of just like would like whip ahead of everybody else but there were a lot of that there were there was a group of guys called the film guys and they all worked in the giving out the equipment and they were the cool kids and they were the kids who knew what they were doing and stuff they were a couple years ahead of you usually and 
half of them are still just sort of just sort of kept jobs working there at the equipment cage. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't. I haven't seen any of their movies and or, or anything like that. Meanwhile, the people that I know that are working on movies, one of them just started working at QVC because his girlfriend had a job there as a receptionist, and they asked her, "Do you know anybody who needs a job? We need a cameraman." She goes, "My boyfriend's unemployed," and they're like, yeah, "Bring him in tomorrow." And like he was a cameraman for QVC for like five years, and now he's like on on movie sets. Yeah, I like camera gear. This this is such a nice episode kind of tying in with the inconveniencing with the ghost in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Because both of these episodes is really about Dipper just kind of accepting who he is 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 good and not trying to be things that he's not, which is a very nice arc for him. It it's going to my last Dipper note like that's he's really discovering what makes him so good and it's his kindness. He he's a very empathetic person. Like while he's always in his head and like he's always kind of st- like holding himself up, we know that Dipper is also a very kind person. We've seen um, him treat Mabel very well. Like when Mabel's upset about Gideon, like he sits with her and he checks in on her, and he's always making sure everyone's okay. And it's actually his empathy that really is shines through in this yeah. episode because the moment he connects with the multi bear, he was like, "I love this too. I, I can't hurt you because we are the same. We're both outsiders, but we're both we're both okay and comfortable in our skin." And that's really what this is about: is about him being comfortable in his skin and realizing that that's just as good and not having to oh. fall into these social norms. He realizes that the multi bear is so unco- so uncomfortable in the multi bear's skin that the multi bear is willing to let him cut his head off, you and know. Oh, as to, long as to, he can listen to Baba. <laughs> right, right, but that's you know that's the reason the multi bear thinks that he's he's just like you caught me. I'm doing something not manly. I guess it's time to take my head off, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, the whole absurdity that you can see him just like absorbing the absurdity of that situation. But we've seen that in real wor- world, too, where people are so bullied to the point where they harm themselves or at, even at the worst, they kill themselves because they're so bullied by the social norms that they can't take being different. And that's why it's so nice to see here that Dipper is finding this whole thing of like, yeah, I like top 40 tunes and I like Baba. You're going to have to deal with it because this is who I am. It, it in turns makes the finale with Grunkle Stan so nice because Stan points out that Dipper's empathy and going against the norm is the most manly and bravest thing that he can do because it's not easy to go against the grain. It's not easy to go against the, the norm. And we see that with Stan. Like, Stan's not a normal guy. He's a fucking con man. And not to get too much into the series, but, like, Stan hasn't had the easiest life either or the most normal life. And that's all I will say on that. But it's it's a nice moment where we know that Stan recognizes that indifference as, hey, it's okay to go against what's normal because being who you are is the most manly thing that you can do, which is such a nice ending. I agree. Uh, and just the touch of the B-plot with Mabel and Stan, it's just fun. <laughs> It's a lot. I love all the montages. Um, well, I like I like the like they have a little uh, stinger at the end where he's getting calls from her all the time and she's having her cats talk to him and stuff. It's <laughs> like, how do I get out of this? Mr. Cat Face. <laughs> Say hi, Steve. Meow. Say hi, Mittens. Meow. Say hi, Mr. Cat Face. Mr. Cat Face. <laughs> I, I do. I like that whole in the nice parallel it has too, because the whole time that Dipper's trying to change himself, Mabel's trying to change Stan into something he just isn't. 
And it's a nice kind of parallel story to Dipper because they're both just who they are. And Lazy Susan likes Stan just for being who he is to the point where Stan's just like, please get me out of this. (laughs) (laughs) But that's really all I had about this episode. So I guess it's part the part where I make my predictions. Yes, part two, Chris's speculations and theories corner. Very similar to the last one is we're going to see the Manators and the Multi-Bear again. And we'll have them probably back as friends. Uh, I'm guessing there's going to be some point where all these characters are going to be recruited to cross into other... Maybe if it's like one big confrontation at the end... Or just they'll, they'll he'll pull out draw on them in other shows when he needs help. But I pray we have not seen the last of the Manators or the Multi Bear. I need more of all, both of them. Your gnome's got a shout out. My what? Your gnome's got a shout out. Did they? Yeah, because when they first arrived to the man cave, Hutzbah goes, "The gnomes live in the trees. The mer people lives in the uh, waters, but we live in the man cave." That's right. That's right. Yes. Well, it was funny because I was just about to write man cave in the on my notes, and I'm like, I better not write it down because they're going to call it the man cave any second now. Yep, there it is. <laughs> I'm like, I knew I wasn't going to think of that one. Pretty much that's your only speculation, nothing else? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. That's what you always say. Interesting. Well, now for part three with the connections to previous episodes and the cipher corner. You've already mentioned one of them being... Uh, Mabel scrapbook. Um, we did see Wax Stan's body from the episode Headhunters, and we also saw a picture of her with a fish, which is probably from Legends of the Gobblewonker, more than likely, because we haven't seen them fish any other time. So those are the connections to the previous episodes. And then the, the cryptogram this week is very interesting, and I'll explain why. So at the end of every episode, there's a cryptogram at the after the credits. And when this one is deciphered, it reads, Mr. Assyrian will be out next week. Mr. Adbash will substitute. And what that means is up to this point, they were using the Caesarian decipher, cryptogram deciphering code thing. And after this episode, they switched to Atbash, A-T-B-A-S-H, and which is a much harder code to use. And it's a very interesting thing that they do over the course of the season that Caesarian is one of the easiest code cryptograms that you can use. And over the course of the show, They make them a little bit harder as the show goes. So we're going to have Atbash for a while, but then it's going to go to even more complicated code. So by the time you reach the end of the series, you're doing these like super complex uh, code descriptions. But it's really interesting. I I like how they do this where they start off really easy with easy codes and then they make it harder and harder and harder because it actually teaches like younger younger audience and a new group of people like how these codes works and how they evolve and how they get more difficult over the course of the series, which is just a really cool thing. And it's like how video games work too. Yeah, you start off easy and you get a little bit harder. Start off with a tutorial and then they keeps and they keep adding keep adding elements of complexity to it. Yeah, so uh, that's I, cool. I I thought it was really cool too because um I think. I forgot how long Caesarian lasts for, but I think it changes one more time before the end of the series, or before or before the end of the season, I should say. And then starting season two, they have a completely new set of codes that's even more difficult, because I know at some point they switch over to numbers, and then there's another time where they're just using, like, straight-up, like, characters. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pictograms. 
Yeah, so it does it does get progressively harder as the show goes, but it's just a really cool thing, and this is a cool way to for people to get ready for like the next set of codes starting next week, which is just a completely different way of deco- decrypting stuff. So, all right, well that's all I had. What are your final thoughts of the episode? I, I liked it a lot. It, I love the quick and just constant fire jokes and puns in this one, and joke names. I'm a sucker for joke names. So this one was just piled with joke names and puns. So I, I loved it. I, I didn't note it, but this one is one of my favorite cold openings. Mostly because I've worked retail and I've been in that position where you have somebody who's just wasting your fucking time. Yep. And, and I just love the whole thing with Tyler Cute Biker. And he's like, do you have this fish and another animal? And the whole like Puma shirt, Panther shirt. Puma shirt, panther shirt. Like, I've been staying in that position. Oh, yes. (laughs) Where it's just like, this guy is wasting my time, and I just need to just get out of my life. And there have been times where I wish I could just lock customers in the store and just, like, leave. (laughs) So I I love that opening, because it's it's such a... It's one of my favorite cold openings, but I just love the fish on the wall. And he's like, do you have this in another animal? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. But yeah, I like this episode a lot too. In a comedic way, it's teaching a lot of really important lessons, especially to younger viewers. And the sight gags are just so good. I just like the little things of like how Mabel is shaving Stan's chest as Hutzpah is like pulling hair off of his and gluing it to Dipper's chest. <laughs> it's Stan's so... hair's growing right back. That's all. That's all. Just so. That's so Ren and Stimpy. God, how many times did it was like Stan like shirtless this episode? Yeah, oh, I, I get a much. feeling that he just likes to run around in his underwear until he has to man the shop and then he, you know, gears up and then it's back into the underwear. I think it's actually in the Gideon episode where he's all put together and like when they first watch the Gideon commercial, you see him like taking off his jacket and he takes off his cummerbund and his belly just kind of comes out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm de- hmm. I know your answer is probably no, but we got our first glimpse of something. Our first real, like, multiple glimpses of something this episode, and I'm wondering if I should key you into it. Not if it's something, uh, not unless it's something that I should have been able to see. Okay. All right, cool. It has to do with Stan. That, uh, that's all I will say. Yeah, just remember, just remember to key me back to remind me of this when we, when we hit where I should know. <laughs> I, I will say, between season one and season two, they released a multiple of shorts because there was like a year, I think it was like a year hiatus between season one and season two. So they released something like 16 shorts, like so many over the course of a year. And I've been, I've been thinking about doing like two specials between season one and season two to cover all the shorts, like maybe like the first eight in one episode and the other eight in another one. And the very first show short addresses this very topic. So oh, <laughs> maybe, sorry. yeah, we'll, we'll probably come back to it then. Yeah, we I should. Was thinking yeah. But yeah, I really love the multi-bear too. I think he's just a fun character. Well, as always, I would love to thank my wonderful patrons. We can't do this without you. And I love you all so much. So a very special thanks to Billy, Lynn, Patrick, Brian, Alex, Kate, and Heather. Thank you guys so much for everything you do. And we are, we're here because of you. And I love you guys so much. And yeah. Yay. We love you. I love you so much. I love all your faces. 
that's all I had for Dipper versus Manliness. Where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website with all the Two True Freaks um, podcasts, some of which I'm on, most of which I'm not. Um, uh, we are also on Facebook with the Two True Freaks podcast Facebook page and the Two True Freaks Cantina Facebook page. We are also on Twitter. Eesh. And poor Gene Gene, the podcasting machine, Gene Hendricks, has to be our, our the guy who mans our Twitter, but he... You just hate Twitter. I love Twitter. Twitter's uh, where I live. <laughs> Twitter's, yeah, it's a cesspool. Cesspool. Dirty, dirty cesspool. Full of manatars? Yeah, I'm, 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 uh, <laughs> it's full of every kind of otar. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I stay away from there. And Gene Gene, the podcasting machine, goes there so I don't have to. And that makes me happy. But where, where can they find you, Hope? I, I mean, they've already found you a little bit here, but there's other places. Yeah, of course, this is the Patreon-exclusive podcast for GeekyGirlExperience.com. This is, that's where you can read my reviews and my think pieces and everything. I'm also on Twitter at HopeMolinax. You can find me and Chris on our Star Wars show, J Guys and Jedi, over on part of the Two True Freaks Network. I run our Twitter for that, which is at J Guys and Jedi. And you can also read my fan fiction over on Archive of Our Own under the name Chaos Lydia. Woo! What is next week? Gravity. I don't know. Fall season one. I always need to put this in the notes, and I always forget. Oh, next week is one of my favorite episodes. You keep saying that. I, well, I like every That's episode. A good sign, yeah. <laughs> but I, I actually really like this one. It's it's very interesting, and the title of next time's episode is Double Dipper. Ah, uh, more puns. <laughs> They're all puns. <laughs> pretty much. I think the only one that's actually like pretty straightforward, let's see, is probably Boy is Crazy. You could probably grasp what that one might be about. <laughs> yeah. Only it's spelled B O Y Z. So Boy's Crazy. Hey. Bottomless Pit, too, is pretty straightforward. You pretty much get everything you need to know from the title. Okay, yeah, I think I, I, I've got a pretty good idea what's going on in that episode. You want to take a guess and I'll tell you whether or not you're right? They discover a bottomless pit. Yes. I'm not going into any more specifics than that. You're but. not wrong. <laughs> that, that is pretty much the episode. Mm-hmm. So, you're not wrong. Okay. So, all right, you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, did you know that you are actually two months behind on Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons? My patrons over on Patreon have access to more episodes of this show as well as behind the scene content. Patreon is a great way for you to support this podcast and my website Geeky Girl Experience with multiple tiers of content that you can choose from. If you become a patron, you'll get your name shouted out in the episodes as well as my never-ending gratitude. You can sign up today at www.patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time, and I love you guys. Bye.